All right, we're a week late getting back on the air at Fox Sports 640, but we're here after the Daytona 500 has rained out. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, Kristen Chapletti in here with me. You might know me as Suits from the KVJ Show, too, at 97.9 WRMF. And this is Flag to Flag, Palm Beach's only home for NASCAR. And, man, we had another wild weekend. And, of course, people will always find something to be mad about, but... <laughs> First and foremost, I thought that was a fantastic race. Uh, yes. How can you, if you don't like that, there was so go watch golf. Mu- right, right, exactly, because there was so much going on. Golf, totally opposite. That, that you know what, <laughs> I don't know what you're looking for if you didn't enjoy that. Uh, Joey Logano, he gets the big win, his first win of the year, and it was also his first win of the year last year, two, uh, two for two, mm-hmm. in the past two uh, spring races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And another uh, interesting thing also, uh, people are saying the race is rigged. Because he was the Pennzoil car, and it was the Pennzoil 400. Funny how that works. Uh, you know, it doesn't really? happen that often, <laughs> but every single time the car that is the sponsor of the race just happens to win. It's rigged. Yeah. What about all the other times when it doesn't happen? I mean, I, I don't recall the Exalta car winning that really terribly named Exalta Faster, Tougher, Brighter Stop. 200 or whatever the hell they called it a few years back. Or the We Paint Winners 400. Man, they got to work on some of these names. But uh, Joey Logano, either way, whether you think it's rigged or not, he is in victory lane, or he was yesterday, and Mm -hmm. is celebrating his first win of 2020, which puts him into the NASCAR playoffs. First and foremost, though, you know, Joey Logano wasn't the dominating car by any means. We saw a lot of stuff take place during this race. Um, And really, we had a bit of everything. We had long green flag runs. We had short runs. We had tire fall off, which I thought was really nice to see. We had comers and goers throughout the run. Kevin Harvick especially, really good in the early portion of the run. And then Chase Elliott just destroying these guys. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable car in the second half of the run, which paid off for him. He won both stages before, unfortunately, having a disappointing finish, which we'll get to coming up here in just a little bit. But what really, to me, made this race so great, we had these crazy restarts, yes, But when we got on the long runs, cars were still able to catch and pass each other. They were still side by side. Case in point, you know, there were times later in the run where we had multiple cars in position to compete for stage wins after a long run, which I thought was really awesome because that's what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for guys who can catch up to the race leaders and be in position at different points during the run as opposed to getting that clean air and running away with it. That's been the problem. And I got to tell you, I really thought we saw a good mix of everything here at Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. By far, it was a very, like we said earlier, a very eventful, a, a very moving Constantly moving race. Yeah, there was a lot happening, and like right. I said, we, we got a lot of everything in this uh, in this particular race. And, and you know, look, people always try to find a way to bash it. They always do. But like, but what that could being you said, say to bash that? I don't even know. I mean, even before the finish, you know, it finishes under caution. Last week, everybody's saying how overtime is the dumbest thing and dangerous. And this week, they take the white flag, and everybody's screaming how NASCAR should should still restart right, after the white flag, exactly. or just not throw the caution. Which again. I got a lot to say about that, too. There's a lot of things I got to rant on today with. I don't understand what people are doing. But taking a look here at the stats, which I'm sure some people won't even believe. Mm -hmm. 25 lead changes. That is the highest in the Las Vegas. uh, uh, Honestly, not even the spring race. At Las Vegas Motor Speedway since 2007, we had 28. I was just about to chime in and say, as far as I can remember. Yeah, that is the most. But here's some other stats that are interesting. These um, were pulled from the spring races. Okay. Um, in the last few years, we had 3,243 green flag passes at Las Vegas Motor Speedway of any kind. 
And, and that was on par with the other races with this package. The 2018 spring race prior to this package change that mm-hmm. people were you know upset about the lower the higher downforce we had 2379 we had nearly a thousand more green flag passes in this race than we did with the old package two years ago and then you keep looking at the quality passes back to 2015 and that's when you're passing somebody on the lead lap for position a quality pass um we had 1268 quality passes that is wow. the highest since 2015 and in 2018, again, the last race before this package, mm-hmm. 696 quality passes. I mean, that's double the amount of passes. <laughs> and then you you're going to sit here it. and say that this is terrible. And then everybody's <laughs> complaining they don't pass enough. I, I, I don't understand how you can be upset. The nice thing is it's the minority, the loud minority that complain. Jeff Gluck, and I always love seeing it. He does a poll after every race. Was it a good race? Yes or no? It was like 8,000 votes when I checked it. 84% said it was a good race and it's good I to think see that, that that's at least. fair i think it was yeah. i thought that this is what the best we can hope for on these mile and a halfs with this package this is what we're looking for but if they so if they didn't like that i would like to know what they would have wanted no that's what i wanted no lap you know because what they're complaining when we don't have a lot of passing when the field gets strung out then nascar makes a change which yeah they're a little slower you know they are they are full throttle on the in the corners i can see what they mean about the cars being stable but at the end of the day, we were side by side. There was something going on side there by side every lap. There was five cars wide multiple oh. times throughout that race. The restarts like every were insane. Restart. Exactly. But the, the big thing for me, because that was something we saw last year. The restarts are great. We get strung out. It's not as good. That didn't happen in this race. Mm-hmm. This is the best intermediate race I can remember in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand what there was to to look at this race and say, that sucked. You want to complain that the finish was maybe, under caution. I was going to say okay. maybe because the driver that won or something. but th- That's what it is. People, I feel like, just get mad about the driver. We had a feel-good right. story going. Yeah, look, the organic finish we were setting up for before that final caution that set up the overtime, or not even overtime, that set up the final restart before overtime, mm-hmm. um, that sucked. We had a great battle coming up. But that is racing. How many times does that happen where you get the caution and it just happens to come out? And people are saying they shouldn't have thrown that yellow flag now. Look, it's pretty standard practice, honestly, on every single form of oval racing in the world. IndyCar, short track racing, dirt track racing, NASCAR, when somebody spins out and is trailing smoke, 95% of the time we get the caution. Right. If I quite recall, last week at Daytona, everybody was saying they should have thrown it for Chase Elliott, who really, other than a couple of cars making some slight contact, was a single car accident Mm -hmm. at the end of the race. And now a week (laughs) later... When cars are all over the track near this car and not at the back of the field, we don't need a caution because he's, he's, he's slid off the track. I just don't understand. I literally just sit here, look at you and shake my head. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, the, the fans say NASCAR is hypocritical. And in a lot of ways, the sanctioning body is. I mean, there are a lot of calls where you're like, okay, why did they call it this way? Why didn't they call it that way? Right. But at the same time, you're being hypocritical as a fan base. The people that are constantly upset about one this race is I, one thing, and yeah, it's you're doing the exact same thing. Right. You know, NASCAR, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, and that's really unfortunate because we had a great race going and a great product. And honestly, I thought NASCAR called it very well as far as the cautions. We didn't have anything I thought shouldn't have been a caution. Uh, Christopher Bell had a fantastic save before he had, unfortunately got into an accident, but right. you know he was sideways and there was some smoke. And we've seen in the past where NASCAR jumps the gun and throws that caution. They didn't do that, which I was right. happy about, because you don't need a caution for that. At the end of the race, look, you needed that caution. 
I'm sorry. You can't tell me you didn't. And we're not manipulating rules here. The white flag came out. And NASCAR, you could see, look at the timing of the caution. They were trying to wait it out and see if they didn't have to throw it. But let's look at what happens here. The 24 of William Byron on the restart. There's contact there with the 21 of Matt Benedetto. An aggressive move. That's a late race start. That's what happens when you're going for the win. He takes him three wide or just to the bottom aggressively. And William didn't give him enough room. Wasn't expecting that, whatever it may be. That puts a tire up on the 24. As we come back to the white flag, a couple of cars get pinched into the outside wall. Mm-hmm. That sends the 38 of John Hunter Nemechek spinning through the grass. NASCAR hasn't thrown the caution yet. And at this point, Joey Logano, by the time he spins, that's the other thing people are saying. They should have thrown it before the caution or the white flag. They wanted Logano to win because it was the Pennzoil car. By the time the 38 <laughs> spins, Joey's already passed the start finish line. You can't throw a caution before it happens because if they threw that yellow and the 38 didn't spin and those guys just bounced off the wall, we'd be sitting here screaming about how NASCAR threw a caution they didn't need just to get another overtime restart. Mm-hmm. That's like what we were saying last week. Same exact thing. The whole pack is not together at once on the track. Exactly. And when they were, NASCAR lets them race, like right. in the Chase Elliott situation. Right. And look, if Chase Elliott didn't get clear of that, the caution would have come out halfway down the back or maybe entering turn three. Mm-hmm. And then people get mad about that, too, because they're like, why didn't you throw it right away? But I think that's the right way to do it. Because, yeah, you know what? When NASCAR has to make that call, it's frustrating if there's a lead change. I get it. You're annoyed. But NASCAR wants to give the cars a chance to clear. In this situation, the 38 car is spinning right at the start-finish line. Okay? I mean, he's not turn two. Right. He's sitting Somewhere at completely the line. Out, yeah. There's no time to slow down. This is a four-car incident. There are other cars who get damaged. Meanwhile, the 24 after that goes into turn one and blows the tire. So now you got the 24 slamming the wall. He's trailing smoke. The 38's laying on the front straightaway with smoke everywhere. Other mm-hmm. cars have damage. I think there was one other car that looked like smoking into turn number one. You gotta call the caution. And you know, but but ra- even even if it was just one driver, like last week, like you just said, there was multiple cars in on this. Yeah. What what do you? How could you even be like, oh, that didn't need caution? Well, it's it's just. I don't understand it. I really don't. And I thought when I was watching this, and I'm looking at the situation, I'm saying in my mind, it's over. You can tell by looking at some of these wrecks. You know where they happen. You can see by looking at it. The Chase Elliott one, I didn't think there'd be a caution. There wasn't. And then everybody's upset about the Ryan Newman incident, which, how could you know that was going to happen? Right. Again, you're predicting an accident and saying NASCAR should have, what, seen the future there? How can and known? you even say that? Right, exactly. How can you even say that? Oh, yeah, you have to predict the future. And then the whole debate last week was NASCAR is trying so hard to manufacture good finishes with this overtime thing. Let the race end when it's supposed to end. Stop doing that. This week, it's I don't care if they started the last lap. We should always restart like ARCA does. <laughs> you can't win. The bottom line is this. This is what I'm going to say. NASCAR is the only form of motorsport that has an overtime of any kind. All these other sports, and NASCAR for a very long time, they ended under caution. Mm -hmm. It happens. It's part of the game. It's part of our sport that they can end under caution. I like the way NASCAR has it. I don't think we should restart once you take the white flag. Does it suck when a good battle is happening and it ruins it? Yeah, but that's racing. But guess what? If you win, that's your advantage to being up front. Yeah, you okay. were out in front. You were out there. You got the caution You win. Flag. Right. That, that's your advantage of holding the fort. 
Exactly. And that's what's so frustrating. It's We're in this place where every finish needs to be exciting. Every lap needs to be side by side. Yeah, that's what we want, but it just doesn't happen that way. I mean, not every NFL game is a close points match. I mean, there are blowouts. Sometimes at the end of these races, they're going to have cautions. And you know what? We talk about racing. It's good to be good, but it's also good to be lucky. And some days you'd rather be lucky than good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it falls in your favor. Joey Logano wasn't going to win that race. We had this late race caution, pit strategy, which really shook things up. I mean, that was the massive change in the race was uh, the caution for the six car spinning right at the end. The 22 wasn't going to win the race if that didn't happen. But he got lucky. Mm -hmm. That's what happens sometimes. And people just... I don't understand the frustration because for so many years, the good old days, everybody says, where NASCAR needs to go back to... Races ended under caution if the caution came out with three to go. You race back to the line, but it still ended under caution. It used to happen all the time. I, I don't. I, I literally, I do. I just sit here and shake my head at you. <laughs> like, I just, every time I think I'm like, okay, everybody says this, everybody says that. You just can never else. please anybody. Exactly. It's so frustrating. I think that NASCAR is a very tough job. I really do. Because no matter what they're going to do, people are going to be mad. But I really do think. It's been like think, that since day one. It has. And it's yeah. like that, honestly. I mean, it's like that with a lot of sports, too. People right. always, I mean... When I was scrolling Twitter about all these NASCAR complaints, I saw people going off on uh, refs, and I don't know which sport it was, I can't remember, but people were complaining about these the refs making bad calls there. I thought NASCAR handled this the right way. You want to know what would be really, not funny, but it would be intriguing to see, whoever's complaining, you go you go do it. Tell me, Make the call. Tell, exactly. And then, and then you get the backlash of your decision that you decided to make. Well, you know, everybody sits at home as a keyboard warrior and can do that. Right. You know, but everybody wants to criticize. They criticize the drivers. They criticize, I mean, the crew chiefs. But in the moment, it's like NASCAR's worried about the safety. If they need a caution, they need a caution. Plain and simple. And, you know, I don't think it's as up in the air to chance these cautions that NASCAR calls. Yeah, there's a judgment side of it. It's a human call. But I think that NASCAR has a way of looking at these based on where cars are. Where are they on the track? What is the amount? I mean, you think about it. Smoke is a determining factor, in my mind, of when you call a caution, too, because if the track has a ton of smoke on it, it's and now you have a visibility issue on top of that. You know, the 24 was trailing smoke an incredible amount through turns one and two. Sometimes you have to call the caution. You have multiple incidents on the last lap. You didn't just have the 38 spin. I just think that this was the correct call. Mm-hmm. And sometimes races end under caution. It's part of the sport. We need to stop bitching. Really, that's just the way to put it. Right. For a while. Another it's been thing, like this. Yeah. <laughs> You know, another thing that people were really going in on hard were some of the late race calls with this strategy. You know, we had tire fall off, but to a certain point, it wasn't unbelievably different where you could just come through the pack quickly. I mean, you definitely had an advantage and you could move through the pack. Mm-hmm. But in a late race restart situation, if you had too many cars in front of you, it wasn't going to be one of those you where you're right. rocketing past them all right. that quickly, which is what happened. So now you have the tough call. You got Ryan Blaney up front and we were shaping up for a great battle. Alex Bowman. Again, these Hendrick cars looked really well, the Chevys in general. Uh, Alex Bowman, though, he was coming with a head of steam. And it was likely going to be a battle between him and Ryan Blaney, an organic finish that everybody was hoping for. Caution comes out. It's part of it. Now we are at the point where you have to decide. We've got 30 or something laps on these tires. Do you pit? Do you not? And we always talk about it. Whatever the leader does, they're going to do the opposite. You're a sitting duck in that situation. Well, the leader came in. Uh, among with uh, Alex Bowman, the two top cars. Joey Logano stays out. Yeah, did you hear the radio communication between them? Well, the funny thing is, I believe, if I read this right, Joey Logano was supposed to pit, 
The crew and chief there was said a follow. Yeah, yes. crew, crew chief said if they go in, you go. If they stay out, you stay out. And then he radioed back and was like, "What was that? Like, basically, I missed it. Am I going in?" Or, and then by then he would already he had already passed pit row, and and then he was stuck being out. Yeah, it's good to be lucky sometimes. Yeah. And that was just pure coincidence, circumstance, whatever you want to say, that right. made a mistake. And if he had pitted, we saw what happened. Not enough guys pitted for them to make any difference there. And neither of them got top tens. And it was frustrating. And, you know, everybody's jumping on the crew chiefs here and saying, you know, what a dumb call that was. What idiots. And then I look back again, though. How do you know who's going to pit? You have to make that choice up front, thinking the tires are old. We have stickers and we know that they are faster considerably. Mm -hmm. Just getting through the pack on a quick restart, though, if you're too far back, is just not going to happen. And unfortunately, that bit both the 12 and the 88, who were going to battle for the win here. And Joey Logano, who stayed out, benefited from that mistake because too many cars stayed out. And that really paid off for Joey Logano. And here we are talking about him in victory lane. Simple mistake. Right. But it paid off. And again, I don't know why we have to be so hard on some of these crew chiefs, because how do you know? I couldn't you know. imagine making that you call. Know. That's not an easy call to make. Well, it's not, and especially being that close to the end. And being the leader. You can't see what anybody's going to do. Right. You're trying to scan radios, but, you know, now these guys are using weird code words that are different every week because they know you're scanning their radios. You know, it's funny. Is it the the Astros or the Nationals? One of the teams that play here at 15 Ballpark at the Palm Beaches was the one that got in trouble for sign stealing um, when they won the championship two years ago. I, I, I want to say it's the Astros. But... The World... Yeah, the, the World, World Series, Series winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For sign stealing, but NASCAR... You literally are allowed to do that to every competitor. Imagine that situation where you're trying to, you know, figure out a strategy and you know your closest competitor is sitting there listening to everything you say. It's a different That's, world. Yeah. So you've got a lot going on as a crew chief. You're trying to make these calls. You're trying to not, though, tip your hand. It's a tough And then job. you have to impress everybody else who's sitting at home I and wants be so to complain. I wouldn't be so hard <laughs> uh, on the crew chiefs there of the 12 and the 88 because I really do think that it's just a hard call to make. And look, you know, we're saying how it was great to keep the 22 out, but the 22's crew chief called him the pit road. Right. So he was about to make that same mistake. 22's in victory lane because of a mistake. Right. So you never know how it's going to go. Talking about some of the runs that we've had here, some surprising names got really good runs in the top 10. Plus, you know, Chevy and Hendrick, they were a big question mark that we had this year. You know, we have the new front end. They struggled. Jimmy Johnson's final year. Where is everything going to go with that? We'll tell you about what we thought of the Chevy performance and share some of these surprising top 10 finishes. Definitely need to give a shout out to these guys coming up in just a second. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. I got to tell you, I was very impressed with the Chevys and Hendrick Motorsports. This is a big test. When you come back to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, one of these intermediates, and I, I was and really after the away. year they had absolutely last year, yeah, absolutely. Jeremy Kaufman, Kristen Schaffaletti, it is flag to flag on Fox Sports 640, the Palm Beach's home for NASCAR, and yeah, talking about Las Vegas Motor Speedway, a lot of surprises from that late strategy we were just talking about, interesting runs, and just kind of a reverse. Toyota, terrible. Hendrick and Chevy, fantastic. Chase Elliott was the <laughs> By one that far. <laughs> I mean, every long run, winner stage one and two. He was on rails, that nine car. Could pass anybody, and you just, you want to talk about heartbreak. Then you have to turn around. Was Chase's team the team who failed a few times? So, no, they they were good. Uh, it was the, the Toyotas 
that failed and had to jump to the back of the field oh, okay. um, at the start of the I race. I was going to say, I couldn't remember which. But, but Chase yeah. Elliott in stage three with the dominating car, they come to pit road and it looked like they maybe knocked the valve stem off. Something was damaged there. Mm-hmm. The tire went flat. They end up crashing, um, bringing out the caution flag. And you go from domination looking so good. I mean, we're in stage three right there. He's won both of the first stages, 26th, one lap down. Can you even sum up the disappointment there? You know he's you know he's mad. Well, because you know there's there's two parts to this. There's something that was totally out of your hands to a point. Like, you really can't blame the crew on that. I mean, somebody right. he pulls out the gun, you're moving so quick, the gun maybe hits it and breaks it. That that happens. But then, you know, you you turn around and you look at Chase Elliott's situation. What might have been, could have been in the playoffs, could have gotten their first career win, or first win of the season rather, first win at Las Vegas. It didn't happen. But on the other side, you gotta walk away with some confidence. Because you just saw something out of How the well Hendrick cars. How well you could yeah. perform. Yeah. It was a great performance. And it wasn't just Chase Elliott. William Byron was up front and contending. Alex Bowman, he might have won that race if we didn't get that last caution. He was coming really fast up on the back bumper, that, um, that 12 of Ryan Blaney. There's a good chance that he might have gotten by him there. Um, so the 88 could have won the race. And then the guy we have to talk about, which is the feel-good story of the race, which is funny to say, a couple of years ago I would have never said this, Jimmy Johnson goes out there and finishes fifth after running so well right. in the 48 car. They just had a competitive run. And, you know, I- I'm so happy to see that because, one, it shows good signs for Hendrick. It shows good signs for she- uh, for Chevy, which is what we want to see. We want to see everybody compete, uh, competing at a high level right. and having that kind of variety between teams that are doing good. But when you turn around and you look at uh, what Jimmy Johnson was able to do out there, mm-hmm. we haven't seen anything like that with Jimmy Johnson. For a unless while. He, he kind of lucked into a lot of those. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but right. circumstances put him there. He was up front the whole time. They took, I believe, a two-tire call on that last stop. So they mm-hmm. were ahead of everybody with the four tires, closer to the front than those guys, and were able to make up a couple of spots on that wild restart for Jimmy Johnson to go ahead and get a fifth-place finish. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, how big is this for Jimmy Johnson because he's coming into his final season. The last two years have been nothing short of miserable. Right. It's got to be a huge confidence boost. Well, that's exa- we always talk about that. Momentum. Yeah, and your confidence and it's just once you get going there's like no stopping you. Yeah, well we see it. You get on a roll. This is such a momentum sport. And, and for Jimmy Johnson, look, he's in the last season. He hasn't run well in years. You got to be at a place where you're you're thinking, man, is it me? Am I just not, do I not have it anymore? You know, am I going to win again? And look, it's one race. We can't sit here and go, they're back. They're doing good. It's one race. But it's clearly a step in the right direction because those Hendrick Chevys were phenomenal. Everybody's was. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, either one of them could have won the race, could have won that race. And I wouldn't have been surprised uh, after the halfway point seeing either one of them win that race. Right. You know, I I ended up... um, you know, um, uh, my fantasy live team, I threw Jimmy Johnson in. He was my garage pick, and I saw how well he was running. I'm like, you know what? Jimmy Johnson. I didn't think I was going to use him. I kind of put him in there because he was good in practice. I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? He got me a fifth-place finish. Yeah. Fantastic run out of them. And, you know, because of the craziness of the final um, restart and then the pitch strategy before that, it really jumbled up the, the uh, lineup. Listen to this finishing order here. Joey Logano wins the race, right? Mm-hmm. Matt DiBenedetto, second place. I mean, just a feel-good story. His interview, the passion he has for this sport and how happy he was 
to get a second. He was cheesing so hard. That's why everybody <laughs> was, loves Matt to Benedetto. That's what right. you want to see. Right. You know, and, and Matty D with the Wood Brothers. I mean, he's driving a legendary car. It's only his second time behind the wheel. You know, they're chasing the historic 100th win for the Wood Brothers team and that 21 car. He comes home in second on the first intermediate race of the year. Third place, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who, again, we talk about sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. We saw them play out this strategy in one of the stages where they tried to get a caution. They stayed out. They stayed out. They were losing a ton of time. It backfired. They had a pit, lost a ton of track position. But then in stage three, all of a sudden, he's doing it again. And we're like, look, you know what? I applaud that strategy. Before the caution came out even, because the 47 is not going to win this race. Mm-hmm. He's not good enough to win the race. So why stay in line and just finish where you're going to finish? Try something. Try to make the day better. What ends up happening? Right when he needs it, we get a caution for Chase Elliott. And that puts the 47 now in position where he can pit, he can stay up front. Third place for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You think about just, I mean, pole for the Daytona 500 and then a third place finish at Las Vegas. For JTD Daughtry Racing as a whole, too, to bring Ricky on and have him do this well, this has got to be huge. Yeah. You know they're excited. I mean, Ricky himself has to be. Absolutely. The question, can they continue this momentum as we head through the rest of this West Coast swing? It would be cool to see. And the main reason, I mean, look, we want to see Ricky run well, of course, but for me is JTD Daughtry Racing, if they can run consistently well, here's another team that is going to be... Such a competitor. Yes. With a, a, everybody else. That's what we want to see. Yep. We want to see as many competitors out there as possible. Austin Dillon comes home in the fourth position. Great run for them. We mentioned Jimmy Johnson in fifth. Bubba Wallace, sixth <laughs> place finish in the 43. A great run. And Ty Dillon takes home a top 10 as well. He ends up in the 10th position. So some feel-good stories there. Got to shout out some drivers. And if you missed the Xfinity race, just got to shout out Ryan Sieg in that 39 car. I thought that he was going to win that race at one point. He was the fastest car on the track chasing down the leaders he ended up with a top five finish i believe at the end of the day it was just you have got to give so much credit to ryan sieg who did a fantastic job and i'm looking back here um to see exactly where he actually did end up in the end and he was third place nice in that race uh just what another feel-good story we want to see ryan sieg do well and they've slowly built that team up just amazing to see on the other end of the spectrum uh-oh. Something dun, dun, dun. I, I, I got to tell you, I didn't see this one coming. This this is what crushed my fantasy lineup is the Toyotas. If anybody's dominated these intermediate tracks, these mile and a halfs, it's Toyota right. and it's Joe Gibbs. And, you know, honestly, I thought today was going to be a day of domination for Martin Truex Jr. I really did. I thought he was going to win both stages and win. You know, one of those days that Truex has had a few times, these mm-hmm. mile and a halfs where you can't touch him. And you have the Toyotas up front. Qualifying rained out. Kyle Busch on the front row. Denny Hamlin right up there. But then right after that, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Christopher Bell, who with Levine Family Racing, who is a affiliated car with Joe Gibbs Racing, all fail inspection enough times to get sent to the back of the field for the start. A lot of times when that happens, these guys move pretty quick. It wasn't the case this time around, though. They got stuck. Yeah, I mean, there was not a lot of progression, and you yeah. can't tell me it was just too hard to pass. Because that, they were we were seeing non-stop. it everywhere, right. The 19 of Martin Truex Jr. started up front, and he was able to hang there. He was really the only Toyota that we saw anything out of. And then a mistake. Under caution, they leave lug nuts loose. They have to come back down. They start further back. Contact on the restart. Next thing you know, Truex blows a right front, gets into the wall, and ruins what was setting up to be a good day. Christopher Bell. You know, I got to say, he had the save of a lifetime. 
Mm-hmm. The video was incredible. I don't yeah. know how he saved that car. Unfortunately, later on, wasn't able to do the same. He crashes out. Disappointing day for Christopher Bell, who was hoping for a good run here in Las Vegas. And Kyle Busch was your top finishing Toyota. The shocking part of that, though? Where'd he finish? 14th. Yep. It has been a long time. I, I forgot the exact number. Usually you have them up in the top 10, top 5, I think if it's not been, winning. <laughs> I think it's been something like two years since a Toyota did not finish in the top 10 in a cup right. race. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And it was really just a shock to me. The other really surprising part of that, Martin Truex Jr. was the only Toyota to lead a lap during the course of Sunday's Pennzoil 400. He only led one lap. So Toyota as a whole led one of the Didn't 267 laps. At all. Yeah. And these are the guys that destroy everybody on these mile and a half for the most part. Right. So watching that was just such a shock. And now I'm really curious to see what we're going to see out of the Toyotas at Auto Club Speedway. Because Kyle Busch has been a dominating factor well, at this track recently. Kyle did admit <laughs> before the race that he is garbage he didn't at like this the car. track. Yeah. He did say that. So, now, Kyle has won here, though. So when Kyle's garbage somewhere, though, there's a difference between somebody else saying they're garbage and Kyle Busch being garbage. Because right. he can win on any given weekend. Kyle Busch garbage is finishing 10th. Right. Now, um, Denny Hamlin, statistically, this is his worst track. And it showed. He was the worst of the Gibbs bunch the entire day. Kyle Busch, he said up and down luck at Las Vegas. That mm-hmm. is not a, that's not a, you know, like you said, that's something that's known. Right. But for the entire Toyota organization to, to run so poorly, that was what caught my attention. Now, we go back to Auto Club Speedway. Kyle Busch has won many races there in, in recent memory. Um, he is definitely the class of the field right now of all the drivers out at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, which is also the backyard for Toyota. You know, they got a big hub right there in California. So it's a big deal mm-hmm. when they can get to victory lane on uh, a track in their hometown. It's like when Ford or Chevy can get to victory lane in um, Michigan. Now, in the recent years at Los, or at, um, Auto Club, first of all, Kyle Busch, the defending winner of that race, but he also won back-to-back in 13 and 14. So Kyle has had some really good runs there in recent memory. So if Kyle doesn't run well there, now... Question I'm raising something. an eyebrow. Something yeah. looks off, especially for the entire Toyota organization. But Would again, they change? <laughs> it's way too soon to say anything about it. Right. But it's definitely a performance that has you going, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what happened there. Right. I mean, I don't I don't see, I, I, knock on wood, I don't see as them doing as bad as they did this past weekend in future races only because, like I said, Kyle admitted, you know, like he was fully aware it's it's you know, evidence, we've seen it up and down, you know, but all these other tracks, I feel like they got down and there should hopefully be no problem from here. Well, Kyle Busch can win on any given weekend. That's something that you know about the 18 team. It doesn't matter right. what track we're at. They can win there. And that's something you don't see out of a lot of drivers. That's what's so impressive about Kyle Busch and really the whole Gibbs organization. You know, it really is the case that any of their drivers can win on any given weekend. And that's what's so impressive about what they've done. They've been a dominating force. Disappointing day in Las Vegas. Let's see how they can do, though, on these other uh, intermediate tracks that are coming up and see if we can get an improved performance there. Um, Another really rough day. Man, Daniel Suarez. Can't catch a break for this poor guy. I feel so bad for him. You know, he missed the Daytona 500. They were able to start this race. We didn't have uh, all 40 cars in the field, 38, so everybody was going to make the start here at Las Vegas. And as soon as they threw the green flag, 
They had something go wrong under the hood. They stalled right at the start-finish line. We were under caution before we completed lap <laughs> one for the 96 car. So they don't start the Daytona 500. They break they before that. the start. Yeah. I don't know what the exact issue was. Um, I didn't get a full confirmation, but it was something electrical or in the engine. Whatever it was, they were able to repair it, um, and they finished four laps down in the 30th position. Wow. And, you know, this is the other thing. You know, the talk still is, is happening about should he have taken the Xfinity ride. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot yet to be seen out of Daniel Suarez and, and Gaunt Brothers Racing, but it's been a very rough start. I I said it last season. I was like, dude, g- go with the good team and ride it out. And, and l- again, like I said, I wonder if he's kicking himself in the butt. I, I like the Daniel Hemrick strategy. He didn't have the kind of day, I think, that he was expecting or any of us were expecting in the Xfinity race at Las Vegas, which actually, because of the weather, NASCAR goes to Las Vegas, it rains. And by the way, I looked at a weather map that day. It was the only spot in the country it was raining. Everywhere else was fine on the map. Oh, that's Only good. Only spot. NASCAR goes to the desert and it <laughs> rains, of course. Um, but we got that race in on Sunday night after the cup race. And yeah, uh, Daniel Hemrick ended up getting into an accident uh, fairly early on, which was a surprise. Um, but I think he still has the right strategy. Jump into the lower division, try and impress some cup teams and good equipment. See what you can do to come out of that on top. So I, I, I like the Hemrick strategy over the Daniel Suarez strategy. We'll see come November what we're saying, though, after this yeah. season how uh, Suarez and Gaunt Brothers can do throughout the uh, Cup Series season this year. All right, coming up in just a second, we got good news on Ryan Newman. If you haven't heard the latest update, I want to share that with you. Plus, there is a bounty on Kyle Busch. (laughs) And apparently he's not happy about it. I think as a fan, though, we are. I'll tell you all about it coming up in just a second. It's Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. Flag to Flag on Fox Sports 640. It is the only local NASCAR show right here in Palm Beach County. I'm Jeremy Kaufman. We need like those Yeah, we we need some kind of celebratory thing. (laughs) Jeremy Kaufman, uh, Suits from the KVJ Show on our sister station, 97.9 WRMF. And I've got Kristen Schiaffoletti in here. She's on one of our other sister stations, too. 1031, uh, New Country 1031. You can catch her on the air there, too. And uh, we just love talking NASCAR here. And I'm so glad to have good news, continuing good news about Ryan Newman. We got the best news last week. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And we got some interesting news, both from NASCAR and from Roush Fenway Racing. So let's start with Roush Fenway Racing and and what they had to say about Ryan Newman and and, um, his recovery so far. First and foremost, doctors pleased with the progress he's made. That's great news. Now, they didn't disclose exactly what the injury was, but Ryan Newman sustained a head injury in the accident. Okay. Um, They are expecting him to be out for multiple races. And Mm -hmm. the good thing that I wanted, you know, because it's a scary incident. Ryan Newman says as soon as he's ready, he wants to get back in that car. And that Roush has assured him that when you're ready... Six is yours. You just get back in that car. You know, you don't have to worry. It's going to be there for you. Sweet. That is such great news. But here's what blew my mind. And I kind of thought this was the case when we saw Ryan Newman leave without casts or anything on stitches. Ryan Newman did not break a bone in that crash. Not even his pinky finger in that accident. He also had no uh, major internal injuries or bleeding or anything like that from the incident. To think that that's possible. You fall. You literally fall and put your arm down. Yeah, you break your arm. And you break your arm trying to catch yourself. And, you know, I, I looked up because um, I was curious. You know, we didn't see the exact G-Force numbers. There were some right. rumors putting it in the 55 range. Um, Kenny Brack, I think, had the worst crash on record. Those G-Forces were o- over 150 Gs. The average space shuttle launch is about 4 Gs. Yeah, that's sickening to even to think, think of that of impact. That. Right, let alone feel that. And to see him walking away today, 
And what's amazing, you know, NASCAR, of course, which is what we want to hear. They took these cars to the R&D center. They're doing a lot of research to figure out what they can do to make them safer. But this new car, they're already talking about it being 30 to 40 percent safer than this car, Mm -hmm. which we just saw work so well, all things considered with Ryan Newman. So NASCAR, when it comes to safety, you can argue any other point about anything. You cannot argue how well they do the safety. And, you know, something else, you know, I don't know how many people realize it. Ryan Newman has an engineering background, automotive engineering. He has a degree from Purdue University, and he works with NASCAR closely on these things because he has an engineering background. Right. So he's so somebody he knows that, what, what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. We talk about one of the key pieces that saved his life, potentially, the Newman bar. Right. It's called the Newman bar because Carl Edwards landed on his windshield yep. at Talladega in 2009. And, and then you got into a situation where they were able to have the car protected and everything worked out well in his case. So that, that was fantastic to see that one work, to see the safety initiatives increase there based on Newman and to see how that saved his life and also kept him from major injury out there. So fantastic news about Ryan Newman. And, you know, the safety team got some criti- uh, criticism. I don't know how. I don't know why. I Are you kidding out of all things to criticize that. They felt the, they handled it. Fans were saying they were too slow. Dude, alive without a broken bone. Well, I want to break this down. NASCAR had a press conference, and they released the timeline of how things happened. And, you know, there are things that we don't realize are happening. Remember, mm-hmm. we're not the cameras aren't on it all the time. When you have a situation like this, they're not going to keep the cameras on the car right. because they realize, okay, something, something serious could be happening here. The car comes to a rest. 19 seconds later, the tool truck arrives. That was the red pickup truck with the guys with the fire extinguishers. Now, right away, they start criticizing them because they don't get out of the car quick enough with the fire extinguishers. I didn't see a big deal on that. I thought that they, they meant to what? It took them five seconds from when they got out of the car to actually spray the freaking extinguisher. Trauma doctor. There are three trauma doctors assigned to rescue at the track. The first trauma doctor arrived 33 seconds after that accident. 35 seconds after the crash, a paramedic was inside the car with Ryan Newman treating him. So when it's upside down, someone has now climbed into the car and is already working with Ryan Newman. For three and a half minutes, there are two doctors and a paramedic attending to Ryan before they decide, all right, the best thing we can do here is to flip this car before we get him out. So at four minutes and five seconds, they make the decision to flip the car. 6.56, less than three minutes later, they flipped that car. The roof was cut off by 11.30 and Noom was in the ambulance by 15.40. To think that that's how that went down and the doctors were in there the entire time. I just don't get how you're telling me. What was it, 33 seconds until the first medical doc was with him? 33 seconds. 33 seconds. You're telling me if that was to happen anywhere else that you're going to get faster like service than 33 seconds and you're going to sit here and criticize. Again, everybody has to find something to criticize. Right. The team rolled up really quickly onto the scene of this incident, and they were treating him very, very well. And you heard in Ryan Newman's statement, you know, that he released how thankful he was to the quick and effective response of the AMR safety team. And, you know, that's one thing that I was really impressed with. I don't think that you can turn around and give me any kind of argument. Nobody's if, if, if something happened, nobody's going to beat me faster than 33 seconds oh, anywhere no. <laughs> else. Right. Be amazing. So, how, right. So how are you going to... Wow. Kudos to the entire AMR safety team and NASCAR and everybody there at Daytona International Speedway for an incredibly fast rescue. And really, you know, I mean, they do amazing things. And having all these people on site ready to help. Halifax Medical Center is an amazing hospital. Their trauma center did some incredible stuff to take care of Ryan Newman. Everybody just thankful to see Ryan Newman okay today and Mm -hmm. on the road to recovery. Here's some fun news, though. Kyle Busch won the truck race. I know you're surprised. (laughs) Now, 
He hasn't had the best run in trucks lately. He's only won the last seven consecutive races he's driven. So, you know, it's been up and down for Kyle Busch. <laughs> Shucks. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to Kyle Busch winning truck races, Xfinity races, sometimes people have an adverse opinion. Mm-hmm. As that happened on social media. Well, I thought it was interesting. And I didn't expect this tweet. Kyle Larson tweeted out and he put the emojis of the cherries and put picking. So cherry picking. He's basically calling Kyle Busch for going down there and just taking the easy wins. Well, out of all people to defend Kyle Busch was Kevin Harvick, which was really weird, too, because I've definitely seen these guys have disagreements more than once. Mm -hmm. Kevin Harvick jumps in. And I think both him and Brad Keselowski have a great perspective because they tried to run teams in the series. They could not maintain. They had to shut down. Kyle Busch is the top team, really, when you think about it in the truck series. They are fantastic. Their equipment is great. Kyle Busch, obviously, when he comes to play, does unbelievable stuff. Well, Kevin Harvick says, you know what? It's not as easy as you guys think. So you know what? If one of you cup guys gets into a truck this season and beats Kyle Busch heads up, I'll give you 50 grand. Personally. He puts a $50,000 bounty on Kyle Busch in the race. And I'm like, all right, now this is cool. Somebody should take him up on this. But then... Great move by the CEO of Gander RV, which is the title sponsor. You know, he has the the profit on CNBC and Mm -hmm. also owns Camping World. He says, you know what? I like that. I'll match it. So now there is a (laughs) $100,000 bounty to beat Kyle Busch. And believe it or not, Kyle's not happy. I didn't think this was a big deal. I thought this was cool. This is marketing. This could get some guys in there, bring attention. Kyle Busch is not thrilled with it. He sounded annoyed in the media center and he said... Um, first of all, he was asked, what happens if you win the race? He's like, I don't know. Probably nothing as usual. Sounds like life. Oh, here we go. And then he said, put money money on a bounty on somebody, and there's bad things that tend to happen. So he's assuming, you know, probably get wrecked or something along those lines. But this is fun. This is something unique. This is something that might get a couple of cup drivers trying to beat Kyle Busch. And for once, we'll have people going, okay, I want to see these cup guys take on Kyle Busch in a truck. You know, this will switch it up. It's a one-time thing. And I like, honestly, the five races that these guys are running in the lower series. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like having them there for those five races. This is the perfect format for me. I think that would be incredible. That would be fun to watch. There's no way you wouldn't have additional people tuning in And obviously, like, I'm sure there's going to be, Kyle's worried about, like, wrecking and stuff. But I think that's what it is. I'm sure, to a point, Harvick's going to be like, listen, if you blatantly, like, throw him into the wall, I'm not giving, you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing, though. If I'm Kyle Busch, I would think that this is flattering. He's saying I am so good Nobody can beat that me. Kevin Harvick is saying I will give fifty grand of my own money to somebody if they can beat Kyle Busch. Right. That's pretty impressive. I I'd mean, that's like, a well, hell of a statement thanks. on Kyle's talent. <laughs> right. You know, I I don't understand why he's so upset about that. Uh, I don't know. I hope that happens though. That would be a fantastic show to see. Uh, Kevin Harvick. Uh, pay up 50 grand bounty and then we'll match to 100 grand courtesy of Marcus Lamont. I think is his name. The uh, CEO. Has anybody taken it up yet? Not yet, but a lot of people were tweeting about how they want to do it. Denny Hamlin's like, hey, can you get me in a truck here anytime soon? Oh, okay. Uh, then there was the trash talking. Denny Hamlin's like, well, last time we were in a late model, I kicked your ass anyway, so it shouldn't oh, be too geez. hard this time. <laughs> I'll tell you, speaking of uh, getting your ass kicked, Uh-oh. Uh, we, we, we do a little uh, new thing on the uh, show. Uh, She's already uh, clearing uh, her throat. Uh, 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 NASCAR's got a cool little fantasy game. It's free, and we opened up a public lead uh, league, actually, so you can come and play with us. You just go on, create a free account. Flag to Flag is the name of the league. Um, man, uh, just, it, 
Can it didn't you go say in my loud? favor. I didn't go in my favor. <laughs> I, I had another bad day. So I had Ross Chastain in there because you can only use a driver 10 times per year. Okay. Um, and then when the playoffs reset, I think you get him again for five times. But my attitude is, look, Ross was good in practice. Mm-hmm. And Ross isn't a full season driver, so if I can use him now, I'm not wasting drivers later in the season that I might be able to use. Right. Ross Chastain goes out there, was doing well early. We know what happened. He spun out. Mm-hmm. 27th place. He only earned me 11 points. Martin Trix Jr. was on my team. We talked about, all right, he's the guy I think's going to win. I got him for both stages in my bonus points and win the race. Man, did that backfire on me. He finishes 20th. Bowman, he's going to win the race. Bad pit call. Backfires. Jimmy Johnson, saving grace. Kevin Harvick. Eighth place. I got two top tens out of all of that. And none of my bonus points came to fruition. Toyota didn't win. Truex didn't win a stage. And Logano didn't win the pole. And I switched out Brad Keselowski because I thought he was running terrible and moved to Jimmy. And then Brad ended up finishing seventh. And I had in Chastain and everything like that, which was hard to know. So I ended up walking away uh, in third. Uh, 154 points. Kristen got 200 points. She took the lead. <laughs> Team of Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Joey Logano, Truix, and Jimmy Johnson. Um, and you lead our overall standings right now. With can uh, you view that? Yes. Like on the regular yes, page? Yes, you can log on right there. So 346 points. You have the lead right now. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, McCabe15, he's got 340 on your heels in second. I'm in third with 282 points, so I got some catching up to do. But it is early in the season. I just want to put that out there. Oh, trust me. I'm sure I'll jinx it. If you want to play the game with us, NASCAR.com, it's their fantasy thing right there. It's on the app, too. Just type in flag to flag when you join the league. You pick five drivers per week. There's a 10-race limit per drivers in the regular season. Then you get a garage pick, so if one of the guys is doing terrible, you can switch the garage pick in before Stage 3. And if you get bonus points for picking the pole winner, the stage winner, the race winner, or the manufacturer. So jump on, play with us. It's a lot of fun, honestly. I really think that um, you'll have a great time playing along with us and maybe making some of us look stupid. Let's see. Yeah. (laughs) Depends on how that all goes. Where can you catch the action this weekend? We are heading out to the California racetrack in Fontana. Auto Club Speedway, excited for more racing. A big two-mile track, another test of what this package is going to be like this year. What can the Chevys do? What is Toyota going to do? We have a lot of questions up in the air to see how this performance is going to be from a lot of different guys. I'm excited to go racing. I've never been so pumped to get back to the racetrack. These weeks are too damn long, Kristen. (laughs) All right. Here's where you can watch it all. Starts on Saturday. The Production Alliance Group 300, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. That's going to be on FS1, 4 p.m. Interesting little uh, factoid here. Did you see the Grand Marshal for the race? Mm-mm. So, I don't know. You're not really great with movies. So I don't no, know, I'm not. You have to have heard of the Karate Kid, right? Yes. Okay. The guy who played the sensei in that, uh, I think his name is Martin Cove. Um, they, they got a new version of that show on YouTube Red. Okay. Uh, Jason from KVJ loves it. He is the Grand Marshal. For this Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity race, we got wow. some cool Grand Marshals. We had a, what was it, just a week ago, um, we had, or this weekend, I'm sorry, we had um, the Miracle on Ice hockey team from the 80s, and then a little further back, of course, President Donald Trump right. gave the command. So some big names to give the command so far this season. Sunday, 3.30 p.m. on Fox, you can catch the Auto Club 400, and we're back Monday, 9 p.m. right here on Fox Sports 640, and of course, you can catch the podcast as well. It's right there on the KVJ podcast apps on the Fox Sports 640 website, all over the place you can catch it. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, suits from the KVJ show, Kristen Schaffaletti in here as well. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll catch you back next week.